0: Hey friends, my name's Stevie Taylor, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. My guest today is Fabrizio Omedei, drummer, presenter, actor, uh, a staple in the um, Australian music scene for well over 30 years now, having played with Richard Clapton, Daryl Braithwaite, Ian Moss, Jimmy Barnes, Jack Jones, Doc Neeson, The Angels, Paul Grey and Rick Astley. Cool, huh? Uh, he's got a really cool uh, Sean Connery story as well. We had a good laugh. Um, I really enjoyed it and again I hope you will join us too. Cheers. I think we're rolling. Fab, omade. Yeah. How are you, man? Good, man. How are you going? Yeah, really good. Welcome to the Gig
1: Life podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. No, nah, too easy. Okay. And, uh, and and congratulations too. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think it's yeah, awesome.
0: we'll give it a shot. Awesome. Oh, I appreciate you being on the show. Oh,
1: my pleasure.
0: I'm just gonna rattle off some, uh, some names. Yeah. That people that that you've played with. Yeah. Right. Rick Astley. Mm. Delta Goodrum. Brian McFadden. Richard Clapton. Daryl Braithwaite. Ian Moss. Jimmy Barnes. Percy Sledge, Brian Mannix, the Eurogliders, Jack Jones, Shantuzis, Shannon Knoll, Denny Hines, Doc Neeson, the Angels, Paul Gray, Wawa Nee, yep. Choir Boys, Doug Williams, yep. David Campbell, Human Nature, and many more. And many How more. many
1: more are there? Oh, heaps. heaps, man, man. heaps. <laughs> hey? There was a guy called John I played with once. Johnny, uh, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Boy and. Yeah. Uh, bill <laughs> yeah,
0: awesome all right let's roll it right back yeah right man. back to the start um yeah. we where were we, you we
1: born Where are you from i was born uh born in italy born yep. in the whole family's from rome yep uh we came to australia when i was three i was the last in the family to be born there yep. so my kids and my brother's kids are kind of first generation australians but yep. but we can't yeah like i said we came here when i was three yep so i grew up Grew up here.
0: Yep. And when did you first get some sticks in your hands?
1: Uh Well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until I was four, about 14, I think, year 9, year 10 in high school. But uh, I was thinking back to it before, and and there was a moment when I was younger, when I was about 8 or 9 and 10, we used to have, you know, have vinyl records. And and um, my brother, my older brother, had stolen from school a pair of Perspect rods that were like drumsticks, right? Yeah. And I remember I used to pull out the records, I'd put a record on, and take out that um, plastic sleeve that was inside it and I'd put it on the lounge pillow and start playing along. Like to a practice it. pad. Like a practice pad. But yeah. I didn't really associate it with, oh, I want to be a drummer. It was just, you know, one of those things and, and it was always something about groove, you know. But yeah. it wasn't until I was 14, I had a best friend in high school was playing keyboards and we used to, after school, we'd stop at his house he was on the way home to my place. And I'd sit there next to him and watch him practice for an hour and it was awesome. And after a while he said, man, you should play something we can jam. And uh, one thing led to another. And, and my brother's, my elder brother's best friend was a, a drummer at the time. And I remember being at his house when I was like 13 or 14 and he was playing and I was just fascinated with it. And and he said to me, he goes, why don't you get your dad to convince your dad to buy my drum kit? It was like 150 bucks. He goes, and I'll give you some free lessons. So I did and uh and man the, the the day that i got that drum kit home my brother brought it home he set it up and i started playing and i don't know what it was it was just it was just it was a magical moment. i'll never forget that moment it was really yeah, cool uh yeah so i was about 14 i'd say when i started awesome yeah
0: and who were the did, did you have any sort of formal training
1: start? No, i did once i started once i started playing yeah. you know, once i started i, I straight away was going to lessons and yep. this is i grew up out in, in cabramatta yep and um, there was a Barber's Music out there and, and uh, there was a teacher there, Norm, old bloke. And um, they had the teaching rooms out the back, so I, was, I started there and, and he was good because he, he went through all the rudiments and all the... My first
0: teacher was an old band called Norm.
1: He's in New New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Yeah, what is that? What's that? It's with Norm. Norm, Norm, you know, the old old teacher guy. Yeah. So I did have some formal training and then I, you know, I went to him for about two years and I learned a lot from him and then stopped and then went to another teacher and and for another little while. So I had various teachers along the way, um, probably for the first, say, six or seven years of playing. And then I kind of, you know, just by then it was do it yourself kind of thing. Yep um and and then you know just influences really after that and who were those who were those early influences all right look in the early days because i i had two two kind of different i I like so many different things but Mm. one was because of my older brother was right into (laughs) a lot of aussie rock yep so that was something that was one thing but on the music side with my music mates we were right into and we're talking mid-80s there were right into things like toto um i, I loved all the earth wind of fire george benson all that kind of um you know funky slash soul yep groove um kind of stuff so that was a big influence on me but there were also bands like the police and and things like that i think uh, by memory I, I would i would say toto and yep. jeff jeff yeah, was me. probably in those days my biggest influence yeah he's still my biggest influence yeah and he's still is to this day yeah. and I mean and, and for me playing is um, I've always been all, all drummers are all about the groove yeah. you know what I mean but yeah. for me it's always been about the song yep I play more for the song than anything else yeah that's just and I think that comes from that from just getting lost in the music and that's the it. groove in the music yeah that's awesome that's just awesome yeah I used to have I I, I Spent a lot of time in the studio, a studio, friend's studio, and in my late teen years. A friend of mine had a studio, and I would work there for free, in exchange for practice time on my own. I had the keys, and I'd spend I'd I'd spend nights there like up till three four a.m. and and during the day, just playing CDs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do practice my rudimentary practice, but it was mostly it was just playing along to songs, and. It was you know that feeling you get lost in it yep it was awesome yeah so that kind of my biggest influence was that kind of thing cool and so.
0: wh- when did you start sort of you're in sydney at this stage obviously. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right because yeah. you your yep.
1: education yeah had my education with here with, with norm, norm. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> um <laughs> when did you wait, well, sorry what, what was your first sort of gigging band
1: um My first gigging band um, would have been I was around about the age of 18 and I was I auditioned for a covers it was just a covers rock band I was really excited and it was a big band two guitars and they were older older than me when I say older than me they were all in their late 20s or mid 20s and stuff it was a pretty good band I actually can't remember the name of the band Uh, I auditioned for the band and I got it and started gigging but at the same time I did because my I reckon my apprenticeship so to speak was doing at the time was doing Italian weddings believe it or not because hey, yeah. uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the people I was hanging around there were a lot of there were quite a few Italians that I was mixing with at the time and and um, and they were doing wedding receptions which was huge in the 80s and 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 90s and then I started getting calls to do gigs I remember one of my first gigs I was I was about sixteen, and I absolutely fucking shat myself because I was so nervous. Because the band, to me then, they were quite accomplished. In actual fact, the drummer I started getting lessons from. He was they was a really good band, and, and they said to me, "You want to come and do a gig?" And I said, "Yeah." And I was so fucking nervous, um, and I totally stuffed the gig up. Like they could see. I remember the kill player one stage turning around looking at me. We were playing dinner music. And he's like, turn around and he goes, it's okay, man, just relax. And oh, I, must. I was sweating, I was <laughs> grappling the sticks, yeah. you know, I, was just, I couldn't relax, I was so nervous. And it, I remember hearing at the end of the night, I heard a little while later that the owner had said, don't ever get that guy again. Oh, <laughs> it, was, no. it was so bad, but, but <laughs> I, I, um, <laughs> I got past that. So it was kind of like I had the, the broadband thing, but I was doing a lot of Italian weddings as well. And I actually got a lot of, we used to make fun of the Italian weddings and stuff, but in hindsight... I actually learnt a lot from doing those gigs because because you cover so many different styles including reading yep that's the other thing too i, I learned how to read early on which actually helped me when i went wanted to go full time yep because a lot of the gigs that i was doing involved required me to read yep. and, and unbeknownst to me at the time i was just reading because that's what you do <laughs> But um, it, became, it became a thing for me later, I realised, oh wow, if I didn't read, there was a whole bunch of gigs that I couldn't have done to sustain me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, the Italian Weddings actually provided a really good platform for expanding, mm-hmm. I think, you know.
0: That's cool. As I said a couple of weeks ago, learn to read, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I learn can't read novels. Learn but to read. read, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And where did that, where did that uh, sort of, oh, actually you got sacked, didn't you, from that wedding band? Did you? No. Oh, I they just, took the, you I just couldn't go back sacked. to that venue? No, I didn't get <laughs> sacked.
1: Because well, yeah, I was only filling in. Yeah, okay. But it was a long time before those guys called me <laughs> they back. They called you back, okay. Yeah, it was all a right. long time. But, all right, so where, where it, it all It all came good in the end. But it was a really, that was a good learning curve. That's as horrible as it was at the moment, yep. it was one of those things that the most frightening moments sometimes, if you put yourself in a frightening moment, it, 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 it's a benefit for you because your kick it, you kicking know, the ass eh? you don't want to fuck up but no 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 you know you
0: learn from it it takes sure. you about six months to get over it but <laughs> <then you> can... <laughs> it did yeah, oh that's man cool. i
1: went uh, yeah all right and went to next uh then so did that and then i started i'd left high school uh i went i did year 12 and stuff and i didn't know what i wanted to do i was playing of course but not necessarily doing a lot of gigs and stuff but i would, playing was a mate was a thing mm-hmm. but i never thought about making it a career or anything so I, I had various jobs and stuff and then i started working for a record company uh, a melbourne local record company and i was working in sydney as a sales rep and from there i got an opportunity to work with festival records which was um, obviously they're not along, no longer around but you know a major record label <laughs> And they had big names on their, on their books and stuff. And I was a, I was a country sales rep. So I'd, I'd uh, get all my stock on a Friday afternoon. And, and I had a company car. I had everything I was making. It was really good pay. It was a great job. But I'd leave Monday morning and I'd be back Thursday night and then go to the office Friday, pick up the next week's samples and all that kind of stuff. And the downside to it, and I was making cash. I was making a lot of money. And I was only like 20 years old. And it was awesome. I had a car. No, petrol petrol it was really cool working for a record company but I was doing no practice mm. and come to the weekend I'd go and do a gig or I'd just want to play and after about six months of that I one day I'll, I just thought this is this is really getting bad because I, I wasn't practicing at all and I'll never forget this I went out one night to watch Lucius Boric mm-hmm. he knows this story I've told him I was 20 21 and um, I went to watch him uh Harvestside Brasserie and he's I think him and I are the same age he might be a year younger than me and I went to watch him I'd heard of him before and I'd never seen him I went to watch him and he blew my mind he just absolutely blew my mind right there and then I made the decision the very next day I went into the office and I quit I spoke to my mm. parents about it first actually because I was still living at home Did you ask I told them? them you asked I didn't you ask them, them I told them what I wanted to do this is what I'm doing <laughs> I'm quitting my job because I was making really good money and all that and they were really happy and stuff and I went home and I said, look, I want to qu- I'm quitting my job. I'm going full time. And they were, they were really supportive. They said, do what your heart wants. Yeah, good. And, um, and so I did. I quit and, and went full time and just started practicing a lot every day. And, and then I'd pick up odd jobs here and there. Like I was, you know, I was working behind a bar a couple of nights a week and you know, little things like that. But it was all based around music that was the, the main thing. And then it just, you know, it grew from there, I suppose. Yep. It grew from there.
0: Mm-hmm. And who was your first, should we say,
1: quote, big artist, artist. big name you played yep. for, unquote? Um, well, big name, I don't know if I can say a big name, but, yep. but it was, a, <laughs> believe it or not, it was a Elvis to the Max. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this was in 1995, I think it was. And it was—I mean, I'd done a lot of gigs and stuff like that, but this was a show. Yep. It was the first time I'd been asked to do a show, like mm-hmm. a big show. It was a big band. It was like a twelve-piece band at the time, or something like that. It was it was a big deal. And um, although it was Elvis tunes, it was all the live stuff, and and, and I got a phone call saying you've been recommended. Do you, are you interested? And I and I was like, yeah. And I was so freaking nervous about it. But that was that was the first kind of bigish gig in the sense that it's big production you know numbered audiences it was a big gig and and there was a lot to do drum wise it was it was pretty full on but i buried myself in that and that was good my first i think my first artist my memory's shit stevie um but i think by memory my first potential named artist might have been richard clapton cool which was late 90s awesome um and that was funny because my brother growing up my brother was a richard clapton fan yep and my brother's not in the music scene at all. Him and I are chalk and cheese in that respect. But um, when I got asked to do his gig, I, I straight away, I rang my brother and said, said to him, hey man, guess what? I'm, I'm doing the Richard Clapton gig. And his response, I'll never forget it. It still makes me laugh. His response was, man, you made it. He said, I knew you would. <laughs> you finally made you it. Made it. <laughs> you see, all that practice paid off. You're there. Yeah, you yeah, made it. You hit yeah. the big time. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Which is, that's how he perceived it. And, it. and for me, it was a joy to hear that. It was kind yeah. of, you know, yeah. I looked up to my brother and, and stuff. And so it was a nice thing. I think he would have been the first kind of name thing. that I. Yeah, did. that's, that's yeah. cool. And that was great. And the funny thing is, the very first gig, we didn't ha- actually have time for a rehearsal. And I turned up to the very first gig and just played it unrehearsed with him. Yep. But I knew all the songs already. Yep. I just knew it from growing up, listening to him and uh, because of my brother. I knew all the songs. I was behind the kit having a great time. It was that's, just awesome. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: Now, there used to be this little old drum shop in yes. Surrey Hills called Billy yes. Hyde's Drum Craft. Billy Hyde's Drum Craft. Right, that's where I met you the first yes, time. Yes, that's correct. Um, I think... I'm not the only one to say this but we, we missed that place and it, yeah, It's a really it, it's a real shame that it's not there anymore. It was a real community. It, it was a community. It was a beautiful
1: yeah. place in, in that respect. It was a good feeling, good good vibe. For good me community. it was like
0: once a month it was a church for me. Yeah. I'd go down there on a Sunday once a month to grab my get you know, my, my yeah. month stock of sticks and heads and yeah stuff and, and just, stitch just hang up with and
1: kits and stuff and, yeah 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 <laughs> 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 no that was that was a great that was a great time of life actually working mm. at Hyde's. um hang on just go back
0: stitching up with yeah i did go in with a pair of sticks and walked out with a set of masters pearl master see
1: so bloody good salesman yeah like, well that was that was a thing for us we had, <laughs> we had gary Hyde always yeah. saying upsell upsell up yeah, cool. yeah but the good thing about gary was he was <laughs> It was the, the thing that i loved about it and why it was good is because it was an honest place yeah. like it was and he was he was a stickler on gary used to say to us um you know obviously it, it's a business he needs to make money of course. of course yep uh however he was big on not stitching people up in the sense of you know he wants honest sales yeah yeah um and the good th- the good thing about it was the product that we always carried was good it was always good product, and it was you know it could sell itself. However, we we, you know. It was an honest bunch of guys, like, yep. um, and I think that was that was the thing about it. You know, we would look at we always hey he always wanted us to look after people, and we yep. just did naturally. We well, did. Oh, we yeah, looked after you did. people. We because for me especially, I used to just treat anyone like it was me because I'd been stitched up before I worked there. I'd been stitched up once before oh, right. on a sale. I can't remember where it was, but. Um, I remember being stitched up, and I and I felt pretty dirty about it. Mm. And then when I started working at heights, that I think that stuck with me. And I thought, you know what, I, I wouldn't do that to someone. So I used to treat it like it was I was selling something to myself in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you'd upsell and you would try and push. You def- through, of course. Still, but it was it, it was never. It was never a dishonest sale. Not so at to speak. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And um, are you are you allowed to say why that place sort of? disappeared well um what happened in the end i think um god i was i was there i was there for a good part of 10 years believe mm. it or not i wasn't full time but then the last couple of years I, I actually got asked to manage I was yeah yeah you were system ma- manager system manager there i think which, yeah no it was, yeah. it was tony who was tony manager. Yeah, he, yeah he stepped up and became state overlooked the state stuff oh right there. okay yep. so they pulled me out to do to yep. be the store manager yeah and um uh and that's shortly uh, that's when it started to about two years after that what happened was um i think it was the people who, who've got their fingers in many pies like bunnings and all that kind of stuff i believe conglomerates saw this thing was because this billy hides was growing nationally it was huge and they saw an opportunity another business opportunity and they went to gary and basically said we've got all these all this money and we want to put we want to invest in your company um we don't know anything about it but we've got the capital and we can see it growing and gary was in a position where it grew so big it couldn't go it kind of it needed something really big injection to, to grow i yep. guess and so there, there was a deal where they bought in and, and stuff like that and um and then Gary ended up this is this is obviously I'm being very general about yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't yeah. know the, the, the ins and outs of what yeah, no, what that's... went on behind closed doors but then Gary eventually decided to sell out mm-hmm. um, and this is you know his father's business which Gary actually turned into what it was yeah. from from the 80s right. turned it into this monster that it became he was so good such a good worker a good businessman but um he decided to sell out and he pulled out And it was also at a time where a lot of online sales were coming through. I was going to say online. And it was starting to hurt. Yep. Because people could buy this product online from overseas for for a cheaper price. The downside was you don't get the service. So people would still come in because they want the service. And and also when you buy something online, you don't really know what you're getting until it arrives. Stuff like that. Yep. However, the online stuff started hurting a little bit. And so Gary pulled out and he... (laughs) <laughs> the minute he pulled out, maybe six months later, it it began a downward slide. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it just continued. Then Allen's bought in. Allen's, and, yeah, yeah. yeah right. And it just it just diminished. Yep. I mean that that combined with online sales and and the internet becoming, sure. bringing the world closer. You could just pick up stuff online, yep. and a lot of people doing that. And so the yep. business slowly just kind of fizzled out, unfortunately. But that's the way of the world, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway,
0: you know, we've got um, Pete and Damo over. at yeah the co-op yeah. exactly so they're, and they're, doing, they're great they're doing the thing, co-op
1: yeah. and uh the drum co-op on yep. uh on uh Inmore road yep and there and that's that's a great little store it's great because there's remnants of, Absolute, of Billy absolutely in that's, there. that's the feel yeah uh and those two guys are, are awesome so yeah. it's really good that they've got that and damon's doing well with it yeah you know, considering awesome. it's it's not a huge store as yep. in size wise yep he carries a lot of stuff it, it yeah, yeah. you know but he's yeah. but they're really good operators it's yep. great cool yeah
0: Right, so the first name I, uh, I, I read out that you played with was someone that people might know, <laughs> Rick Astley. <laughs> never, never going to give, give you up. He's never going to give me up. never going to give you up. He's a liar. Yeah. No, I love him. Tell, me about, that. Tell uh, me about that. Rick was, Astley. Was that re- re- recording?
1: No, no, no. That it was, was just, tours, just purely, wasn't it? purely live tours yep, here yep. in Australia. Um, so I got a phone call from uh, Paul Gray, Rest in peace. I love Paul Gray. Uh-huh. I, miss, I miss him. But uh, and I did a lot of work with Paul Gray, but yep. this was one of them. Uh, Paul Gray was asked to put a band together for Rick Astley's Australian tour. Yep. And um, and he got uh, me, Victor Rounds, and John Betterson, who's a guitarist and yep. singer. Um, and also Nick Pringardi, who's now in Melbourne, keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Uh, put that together, and, and I was I was excited. At first, I, I had... I. Of course i said yes that'd be great that'd be awesome and and i had a bit of a chuckle because it was you know another one of those 80s you know and it were was you, big, were, big in the 80s were and you it, thinking legacy act yeah kind of that kind of thing club <laughs> club act kind of a club act yeah no i knew it was the, the real rick astley yeah and yeah what it was but i yeah. wasn't sure you know what what it would be how big it would be and whatever i just thought it's a, in the back of my head I, without any disrespect i thought it's another 80s act trying to revamp himself you know or themselves right. and he was huge in the 80s i remember him in high school he was massive and anyway so we learned the stuff we like with the gig was on they sent us some material we did all our own music our own charts and stuff and and the first gig was in melbourne and we flew down the day before the first gig and there was a studio that was booked out so we could have a day's rehearsal with rick we hadn't even met him yet and we're down there and he walks into the room and straight away, from the minute he said hello, I, I said hi, I shook his hand. I thought, oh, I love this guy. He's just, there's an energy about him. He's cool. just, and as it turns out, he's one, I mean, so many acts that are really good, really good. But as far as people are concerned, he was one of the nicest Yeah, yeah. acts I've ever worked for, mm-hmm. just in personality and he's so, he's so accommodating. He's not pretentious. He's just, he is himself on and off stage. There's no ego. There's no anything like that. He's a real sweet guy. And you just can't help but love the guy. He's, he's just, just one of those people that, you know, you meet have been <laughs> even talking about him, I my smile. He's, yeah, he's such a cool. lovely guy. And he walks on stage and the audience get that as well. And he gets some eating out of the palm of his hand. Yeah. It was one of the most enjoyable gigs, um, if i could take a photo of your face right now while he's telling the story <laughs> he is actually he's really smiling he's nearly crying oh, yeah, so no, he's, Bloody you know, rick Astley, he was good It was good and and you know yeah. it was always good to do that he, he came out twice yep. um we did two tours with him and i've we've i've sent emails to his manager a couple of times just for various things and, and uh said, come bring bring rick back man come on <laughs> Come back, yeah. yeah One because who doesn't want another gig? But uh, that, it. it was just a lot of fun. It yeah, was a cool. lot of fun, and the band was great. Yep. That band actually, the band, the Rick Ashley band. Then, uh, John Bettison, the guitarist, he then has was asked to put a band together for the cruises, which are the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line that comes out every kind of October, November, out yep. of out of Sydney. Yep, they do their. Music cruises, you know, Rock the Boat, Cruising yeah. Groove, yeah. that kind of thing. And John Bettison, it was the same year that we did the first tour, and John Bettison just went, yep, I've got the band, and he just basically used us, and we went on, and we've done it every year. Oh, so right, and you're doing it again this year? Yeah, we're actually in about three weeks' time. Three weeks? Oh, we're great. We're back on again. Awesome. That's great. Unfortunately, Paul's not with us anymore. Which yeah, is yeah, a real, he passed away. He passed got away, and, going, and yeah. that's a real, left a real hole yeah. in many people's lives in the I, music community.
0: I met him... Uh, <laughs> I can't remember it was last year or the year before the, was it absolutely the 80s? Was that the, yep. the name of the show? Yeah. Yep. You guys played at the Guimia pub. Oh, yeah, yeah. We played support when oh, I was playing for right. Yeah, yeah in the remember. summer. We were playing support and, um, yeah, we sort of played off to the, to the side. That's right. And you guys had right. the stage there. And I, I just right. remember I was being there for sound check, And I, but I remember watching, you weren't happy with the sound guy. I was just sitting back yes. watching them, and he just couldn't get it right. Like, and they were slow, and yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that's that's why I met Paul and, yeah, and so Brian that, Mannix and the Wild. Scott Kahn and
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good show too. Killer that, band. guys are fucking that's, awesome. That's 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 a really good gig. Yeah, yep. they it's a it's a good band. That yep. show because they they're based in Melbourne. Yep. So they have a Melbourne band, um, and I think they've got a uh, Queensland, Brisbane band as okay. well, and we, and we are the Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yep. but you know that that comes up every a uh, few times a year. That's cool, and that's a great gig to do. Cool. Also, because it's all the 80s stuff. That for me, a lot of this stuff that I do is because I was in high school in the 80s, So it's kind of it's kind of it's hit. always has an, a nostalgic effect. I, I gotcha. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, and are you
1: sort of the sort of the band leader. Mm, no. I'll, oh well, I wouldn't say band, band leader, leader I'm not, but MD, right, yeah, MD, MD. Yeah, sorry, that's, counting it well because most of it, most of it's to a click it's as well. Tracked, yeah, yeah. Most of it's to, to track, so. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean MD. I'm I'm counting the songs in as counting well. Counting the songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So any drummer that counts in a song, mate, you're, an, you're MD, an MD, mate. You're an MD. Don't you're an worry MD. about. Don't worry about what all the other musos say.
1: <laughs> yeah, mate. Without us, they sound like shit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There. Um now another one, Doc Neeson. Yeah. Now did you play Doc ne- it's uh what have I got
1: here? Red Phoenix is it yeah, the band? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So that was sort of a a, a Doc side solo project. sort of solo. Yeah, effect. that was that Did was you play so with Angels as well? I or? did. Oh you did, well, okay. Awesome.
1: What happened was um Peter Northcote was in the was playing with the Angels. It was yep. the Angels, right? Right. And and um so it was Doc Neeson and, and Jim Hilburn who was the bass player in the Angels. Mm-hmm then it was uh peter northcote uh jay stewart on keys and and uh D- david lowey who is frank lowey's son the magnet, westfield's Magnet, yeah. and they were doing the gig and they were also doing the red phoenix thing on the side mm-hmm. and what it was is they were writing they were just writing chips yep, yep. and something happened with the drummer they weren't happy I don't, I don't really know what happened there but peter northcote rang me one day and said hey man, do you want to come in and record a bunch of songs mm-hmm. with Doc Mason and blah, blah, blah. So I went in there and we did that. And and then just from that, they said, do you want to do the gig? And we had a bunch of Angels gigs for, for six months or 12 months while we were also writing and recording the Red Phoenix stuff. Uh, and what it was, you know, do the Angels gigs and we slowly incorporate... A couple of tunes of the red phoenix just to give them you know road test them a bit yeah and then we recorded the album the red phoenix album properly and and um and it was released and stuff but unfortunately at the time doc was going through stuff he was he had you know he had um health issues and stuff which eventually i think was the cause of his passing away um and the whole thing folded unfortunately but we were doing that for about two years and stuff we even went to the (laughs) it was funny because there was a lot of funding involved because david Lowy was involved he would pay for everything
0: oh yeah it was an
1: era for me it was a time where i actually (laughs) felt like a super rock star because we'd fly around australia in his learjet and we'd do that kind of stuff because
0: he had to get picked up on the runway that kind of thing yeah oh
1: man real rock star kind of (laughs) yeah you know i used to laugh it was it was awesome and when we recorded the album we recorded here in sydney at um trackdown studios fox we did the the drums bass and all guitars here but then the the producer was a guy called terry mannins who in the states who 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 had done zeppelin three i think and 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 Mm. uh all sorts of big names and but he was a producer of the angels in the 90 mm. he had done all their stuff then and so they, they used him again they did all the he had a studio in the bahamas compass point studios where they did back in black and all bob marley stuff is a famous studio and um they did the vocals for the album over there mm. and the manager rings me and says hey um david wants everyone to go over to the bahamas to do to record the vocals and i said i right, cool i don't sing and he goes yeah i know but he wants everyone there just to hang out <laughs> <laughs> okay no problem hashtag this life. is more <laughs> this guy's got more money than anyone we yeah, know you know what i mean awesome. like and it's fantastic he was never you know he wasn't scared to use it which was great It is. Yeah. put us up in this brand new place uh eight eight i think there was eight rooms in this this State thing on the beach and we had our own room i actually met sean connery this is a great story man (laughs) yeah go on because sean connery lived down the road and he was friends with terry mannings and he'd go into the studio to do voiceover stuff every now and then sean connery did sean connery did yeah but this this is my this is one of my favorite my favorite um moments of you know stars in your eyes kind of moments because i got up one morning and on the floor that I was on, on this this apartment complex, this resort, it was a resort, I walked out and that's where the where the restaurant kind of was, overlooking the ocean and stuff. And I walked out to one morning just to have a coffee, maybe grab some breakfast. The guys were all down in the studio doing work. And um, <clears throat> I walked out and there was no one in there except three people sitting at the table, a guy, a girl and Sean Connery. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh shit, there's Sean Connery and I, Went and got myself a coffee and I'm trying to figure out. I knew that I, I had a way in to talk with him because of the studio. I knew there was a connection. I thought, I'm going to use that connection yeah, yeah. to say hello. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I saw him stand up and, and say goodbye to these two people and I went straight over to him and said, "Oh, Mr. Connery, sorry to interrupt you, my name is Fab. I introduced myself. I you told called him Mr. Connery. Him. I did. <laughs> I said, Mr. Connery. Did I say this? Yeah, I think I did, Mr. Yeah. Connor. I was just nervous, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. What do you call it? Shawnee! Shawnee. Connors. Anyway, um introduced myself and I said, I'm here recording at Terry Manning's studio. And he's like, oh and his eyes lit up, oh Terry, yeah, cool. And he's like, sit I won't do his voice because I can't. Yeah, yeah. Like, Shut down, have a co- <laughs> Have a coffee with yeah, me. Have a and, like and I couldn't not believe spirit, it. He said but... he said, sit down, let's have a coffee. Wow. And so I sat there, and I don't have any evidence, any proof, because I didn't have iPhone then and I had none, there was no one in the room yeah. and we sat for about 20 minutes and just talked me and Sean Connery and the whole time I don't even know what we fucking talked about because the whole time I'm sitting there all I can think of is fuck me dead is Sean Connery fuck anyway I got an autograph from my mum because she was a big Sean Connery fan yeah. and um, we said goodbye I went to my room he took off and I, was, I went back to my room to have a shower I had a car there as well i was gonna have a shower take my time and then head down to the studio so i did that drive down to the studio and i get there about 45 minutes later and uh as i'm walking into the front of the studio sean connery's walking out he's he's stopped in to visit with terry on the way and there all the other guys in the band were there he's walked out as i'm walking in and the other guys are all milling about you know sean connery and as he's walking out he looked at me and goes "Oh, will show you fab i went see you sean take it easy just and The band, see The band <laughs> looked at me. What the fuck is yes, it? Yeah, a yeah. Man. man, Sean, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's great. That's really that was cool. A great moment. That's awesome, mate. Really cool. Yeah. Um, Sean Connery still talks about that today, by the way.
0: Anyway, moving anyway. right
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um. Now, Ronan Keating, and take that. Did you play with Ronan Keating?
1: no did, we did take that you did take that yep um, what did we do was that a, uh, it was just a, like a one off thing it was oh, just yeah. a performance of a couple of songs I think oh, oh, I, oh. I can't remember um, Ronan Keating I, I do I don't put him on my bio because okay. I mimed <laughs> oh. I did two performances with Run and two two TV performances, and they were friggin' mimes They were mined, okay. So, although I had to learn the song and I was actually playing it, you know, yeah. you can't really put that on your credit. Right. You can't put a mime on your credit. Still a cool fucking oh, story. Oh, you could, but you
0: just fucking put mime. Still a cool story. Leaving it in, in brackets. there. Brackets. Yeah, leave it in
1: <laughs> yeah. there. Um, uh, just, just for those at home kids, miming is. You can put that on your resume it's just, okay just write mine just that's write all
0: mine. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant now you've um uh had a couple of bands that you've put together sort of covers bands yeah yeah um what was Fa- mr fabulous mr fabulous yep. yeah
1: that was that was because um, we we do a lot of work. we we were doing a lot of work together me um christo thank you he's a great singer It's all. it was me christo chris Cam Zell's guitar, who yep. who I work with a lot, and Dario. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, me, Chris, and Dario do a lot of work together. They Would my... those
0: guys be on the podcast? You reckon
1: they'd be keen to? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, okay. and they've got more stories to tell. than cool. I, I can with... tell you now. All right. well, um up. Up uh, But you. yeah, they they those two, Chris and Dario. Are, are, I mean, there's a lot of good players, but I work with them more than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. So Chris and I actually go way back, over twenty years. We've yeah, been, we've been best mates we were in a band together originals band together in the 90s yeah with andre and richie bez right uh, first time i ever saw dario play was
0: it was at um kathy freeman park olympic park oh yeah yeah i think it was a beat was it a Beatles show i think it might have been a Beatles show and it was yeah. one of those um summer nighttime festival type things yeah and he was playing bass and I, I pr- pretty much watched him all night. He didn't look at his guitar once. Yeah. He just doesn't... He doesn't... He doesn't need to look. He well, it's...
1: He's one of those guys, wow. I man. It's just an extension of oh, him. No,
0: i Oh, it just blew me away. Yeah, he's... Yeah. he's
1: There's... With no disrespect to other bass players, there's so many good bass players that I've worked with. Uh, yeah. And, and they're really fucking... They're really good. Yeah. Dario's got something about him that's always been... For me, he, he just... To me, he's the guy that makes makes a band sound okay. good that's cool he can make a band sound good ba- i think bass guitar in general is is underestimated a lot yeah um you know the a good bass player and of course a good drummer is required to you know i know you bass is a really underestimated i think in that respect because what he brings to to a gig to a song to everything is just awesome he's mm-hmm. just he's just phenomenal Actually, you know, I was telling a story about Lucius Boric. Mm-hmm. <coughs> first time I saw him and changed my hat. Mm-hmm. Daria was on that gig. Oh it was, right, okay. it was actually the first time I saw Daria. Play. Right, okay. And we're we're talking '91, I think, or yep. something like that. Yep. It's a long time ago. I knew who he was already, but mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd never seen him play and stuff. And he plays Baby Animals now, doesn't he? Daria he does now, know, yeah. amongst a lot of other things. But yeah, Baby yeah, Animals yeah. is yep. his thing, and but we still get to work a lot together, which is awesome. Well, kind of weekly, I suppose. Oh really. great, okay. It's great. But well, yeah, that Mr. Fabulous band yep. was just something we put together. Um I think we were getting gigs at I'm not sure if it started from the Monkey Bar in Balmain or, or the Piano Room in the Cross or mm-hmm. something but you know just put together this band to to get more work and awesome. stuff and, and we did we did a few corporates and stuff like that and yep. well, we worked together a lot it was just a name put throw a name at it yeah, so yep. we had something to you know to to use and yep. stuff took some photos but we didn't do anything you know major with
0: Yeah them.
1: yeah yeah that's cool um yeah I've been in a few covers bands over the years, you know, but but I suppose most of my, as, as most newsos today especially, that are working a lot, you, you're not really in a band only. Yep. You know, there's, you've got to spread yourself you've a little bit. you got to spread yourself, yeah. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about your um, acting. Sure. If you're an actor and a presenter.
1: Yeah, that's yep. right. That, um, was, that was something that came late um, in the sense that acting's something that's always been uh something that i was attracted to but never did anything about it because it was always music and stuff and uh, <clears throat> and then when i was in my mid-30s and stuff i went and did a presenter course mm-hmm. at nida and it was it wasn't anything you, to, you just pay your money and you do the course and it was like a three-month course i think and it was really cool but because i did that i was on there on their books and stuff and then later that year i got a mail out from nida and they had the screen actor course coming up next year, the following year, and it was something that you had to audition for, and you only get in. You audition, and if they if you get accepted, you get accepted. And I was married at the time, and my wife then, she said Denise, she said to me, because oh, I saw it, I went, oh wow, with that actor course, I'd love to, you know, because she knew that I loved the idea of acting, just never did anything with it." And she encouraged me to go for the audition. I was At the time, I was like 37, 38. And it's not something, not that it's not something you pursue at that age, but it's not a common thing to pursue something. You know, acting is something you do, like music, you start off young yep. and you, you grow. <clears throat> and I said to her, I said, man, what am I going to do? I'm going you know, too old to do that, that at the time. And she's like, no, just do it, do it. And she encouraged me to go. So I did, I auditioned. And I remember the audition process went, went over the space of like three days because they had something like 400 applicants. And to my absolute surprise, I got in. They only had 30 spots. Yeah. And and I got in, I couldn't believe it. And I was one of the... I wasn't the oldest in the class, but I was like second oldest. And, uh, and the rest of them were, you know, in their 20s and stuff. But I got in and I started. And the minute... I remember the first day of class, I had that feeling of those goosebumps. And I thought, man, this is... I'm meant to be here. this is so good I really enjoyed it and I did it and I <clears throat> that went for a couple of years that course and then I finished that did a, an acting show reel and stuff to shop for an agent uh, got an agent and I'm still with that same agent Lucas man he's a legend Dan and, um, and I've been just doing that ever since um, I kept I kept studying I worked with different uh, acting coaches acting teachers along the way um, but the acting thing is funny because, you know, we were talking before we started this mm. this podcast, we were talking about uh, expanding ourselves, yeah. doing other things. Yes. You know, and um, this is one of those things where, you know, it's another facet of, of what I do, I guess. Yeah. But it is actually, on a financial note, is it actually saved me a lot of times in the sense of when it's, not saved me, but when, when any time that music has been quiet, um... Uh, the acting thing seems to step in and yes. <laughs> and you know things happen and whatever and it, it's been really good i'm still doing it now and i'm i'm actually going back to, to classes soon brilliant just to keep the, the the wheels greased but i've done you know done um a lot of guests the tv shows home and away and yep uh, redfern now crownies and yep all that kind of stuff and uh, you're the fresh food yeah, you're the, you're that, the, was, that was you're actually the, the best Mitch guy from Woolworths. One of the best contracts I've ever landed was yeah, that, right. That yeah. was the Woolworths fresh food presenter.
0: Is is oh, I might put a couple of those. I'll find those
1: Woolworths videos on uh, sure. YouTube and I'll put them in the links. <laughs> yeah, put them on mate. <laughs> put them on. I got that. Um, that was a that was a great gig because it was a it was a one year contract. Yeah. And um, and Woolies have got more money than they know yeah. what to do with sometimes because they threw money at it and big money at it and and i got paid up front my agent rang me and said you are number one on speed dial at the moment i love you <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good uh, it was a good contract a good score Brilliant. and we yeah it ran for a year like we did <clears throat> we must have done about 100 and 150 odd ads that right, year yeah, yeah. but it was it was it was great because i was only working it was sporadic i might do two days of filming a week and that's it and then the next week, they'd fly me somewhere else to a farm or something and do another day filming. Yep. And so it was only, basically, they locked me out for 12 months um, and used me however they wanted. Right. But they, it was never, it was so easy. It was just, a, at the mo, the most I ever did was three days in a row. Right. Did it ever, when you, when you said locked you out then, does that yep. mean? I couldn't do, I couldn't it, do any opposing ads. Yep. Could I you still do your music? Oh yeah, yeah. And then, oh, okay, no, no. Right, yep. I could still do music, and yes. I could still do, I could still do f- any film and TV. Okay, yep. But commercials, gotcha. They locked me out from doing any other commercials for that time. Fair enough. Or at least anything that was com- uh, directly competitive. Oh, but I, I, think just, just for, because they paid a lot of money. So just out of out of goodwill. Yeah. You know, my agent and I just thought you know well that's cool we don't it's cool know, with that. Yeah, yeah unless something major comes along you can go for it but yeah. they basically locked me out from doing anything competitive because they wanted me to be they wanted it to be someone who looks like they work for woolies yeah basically mm-hmm. um and that's what it was and i got to a point where i'd go into woolies stores and because and, no, no one knew if i did or if i didn't and staff would be like oh is that, you work for woolies where do you work and, then, uh, and i'd say well actually uh, I don't. <laughs> you walked in with your apron. <laughs> yeah. I tell you one thing, I, I where I was living at the time, there was no woolies close to me, the closest thing was Coles. Oh right. I don't know if I should be saying oh, it's too late now. They paid. <laughs> um I'd go I'd go I'd go do my shopping at Coles. Oh, yeah. Not not a lot, but just a couple of times, but yeah. I thought if anyone recognises me that's it. I'm you know. And one day I, I was at the counter, like buying a couple of things at the counter and the, the girl at the checkout of Coles, she looked at me, she goes you're the Woolies guy. What are you doing? <laughs> and I just, ah, oh, man. That was I it. With... I didn't go back in there again. Did cause... you take a Woolies bag into Coles? Or... Yeah, I should rebel. have worn the green apron. <laughs> the rebel. Yeah, rebel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Such a rebel.
0: Cool. Now, um, we still playing a lot these days?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, still playing. Still, it's always is my, my main thing. But I'm doing other things. I started a T-shirt label, which has been put on hold yeah, for the moment. Because I do a lot of artwork, a lot as of as drawing. Well, yeah, yeah I'll put that. some links to your art too in the yeah. show notes of this. So Thank yeah. you. Yeah, awesome. no um, uh, I've been doing a lot of drawing lately, mm-hmm. the last couple of years. But the, the, the t-shirt thing kind of got put on hold just just because, I suppose, I don't know. Uh, but that's the beauty of that thing is it it's my own project. It doesn't, it can stop and start whenever it wants. It's yep. just totally up to me what I want to do with it. Yep. Um, and and putting some effort back into the acting as well but the drumming is always there yeah, it's awesome. just, it's a, it's a constant yeah it's a, i it, think it'll always be a constant but absolutely. it gets to a point where i don't know I, you know i'm starting to look later in life and stuff i'll always play yeah um oh, it's not even that i think it's just because of who i am i, I i've never been just stick to one thing yep uh, there's other things that I like to do so I do other things. Yep. Uh, you know, jack of all trades. Master yeah, of yeah, none.
0: master <laughs> of none. <laughs> That's right, master of <laughs> But I'm a
1: good jack. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good one. <clears throat> now, uh, do you, do you find yourself watching a lot of the younger players coming up?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do. I'm, I'm often look, looking at different things online and stuff. I don't, yep, yep. I don't, Get out a lot to yeah. see gigs. Yep. Um, I mean, it's just the nature of a lot of working musos don't get a chance to get out to no, see that, much. A, I suppose. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I mean, I do, but not not as much as I I suppose I would like to. Yeah. Um, but I do check out a lot of drummers and mm-hmm. up and coming drummers too. Yep. There's, there's, and also because it's just fucking inspirational stuff. Yeah, of yeah. stuff. I mean, there's stuff that some guys play that I'm like i'm not going to do that yeah but, still, uh, but right. i love it yeah i think right. it's awesome yeah and and uh i love i love the fact that you know we're in a time of life and have been that we have youtube we have uh facebook we have all this stuff that you can see stuff yes you can just go online and google and watch anything you want and and i do watch a lot of stuff and it's it's really awesome yeah yeah i'm going to see toto in january you there's, are yeah i'm a Sha- shannon forest shannon Forrest, yeah he's a, yeah. He's like a monster <clears throat> he's very um i was gonna say this because i'm thinking of youtube i was looking looking mm. him up the other day and realized just how much he's very begaro, very yeah. picara yeah that's just awesome. why they got him there yeah which is awesome yeah i saw
0: the last two times Toto have been out i went to, went to see them saw it at the metro with Keith, that, Keith Culler? No, no, no. That was Simon Phillips. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, this is when Mike Picaro was still alive. Oh, yes. So got to see him on bass. And then that's awesome. the last time they were here, they played the Enmore. Yep. Simon Phillips, he had like a, a Tama acrylic kit. Oh, wow. You know, his big HM, HM yeah. yeah Phillips acrylic Beautiful. drum kit, yeah. And uh, Lee
1: Scalar was playing bass. Oh, he's amazing. Fuck. Fucking, it's unbelievable. amazing It's amazing. Yeah, you know that story about Lee Scalar, how it, when the the first gig that he did, because some I there are people out there that will know the story better than I will. So sorry if I get this wrong, <laughs> um, but there was a, I think they were in in France or somewhere, and something happened with Mike that he couldn't do the gig, and they called Lee Scalar in, and he learnt the show within like two days or something, yeah. or something maybe less than that, and he was up, he was up doing the gig. We have a pussycat in Yeah. Oh, She's oh, get, pussycat, getting the she, Yeah, I think everyone would have heard that. She yeah, just yeah, went up yeah. to the microphone. Yeah, that's that's not it's me it's or it's a Stevie, snowy. folks. <laughs> but he he learnt the stuff in, in something ridiculous like a day or two and he was up there playing it like he owned it. He's yeah. just, it's just amazing. He is amazing. Not yeah. an easy gig to fill in. <laughs> no, 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 that's
0: right. Another that story I heard about him he's is but like he he'd do these sessions and then he'd get these disgruntled producers. Yeah. And he's got the switch on his bass, and he calls it the producer's switch. <laughs> right, so the producer will go, it's not working, it's not sounding right. Lee, you've got to change something. So, he, all right, so he'd stand up, and he'd flick the switch. Right. And he'd start playing, playing the song again. The producer go, yep that's it beautiful that sound is perfect and there was nothing on. nothing that. connected to it eh? <laughs> I love that yeah that's yeah. brilliant
1: the placebo switch
0: the placebo switch yeah that's great yeah now how do you see the the music industry these days obviously a lot different than. than it's
1: a lot different to what it was um it, it's you know without without burying my head in the sand or living under a rock, I try not to focus too much on it. Yeah. I try to, you know. Just from observation. You know, but yeah. from obs- observation, I, I can I can see the, the changes. This year alone, uh, I can feel the changes, you know. There's, okay. uh, just talking to other people. There's a lot of people that are not gigging as much as they need to or would like to, yeah. you know. Um and uh i mean you know here in sydney that whole the whole lockout law now it's been a couple of years that that's really hurt hurt the the gigging live gigging scene um venues just closing doors or stopping stop having bands and stuff like that there's more kind of duo stuff which doesn't help us drummers um um so i don't it's you know i don't think it's it's healthy i don't I can't say that, it, that the industry is good, uh, you know, with a plethora of work and stuff like that. There's a lot of people that just aren't working enough and, you know, I know a lot of people that have moved to Melbourne right. because, you know, the gig scene down there is supposedly more affluent. There's more, yep. you know, there's A lot of
0: people are moving. Or up north. north. Yeah, Coast, I had a, few a few people, people
1: moving up yep. the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? If you're not going to work much, you might as well be at the beach. Yeah, I suppose. That. Yeah, a- <laughs> but I'll get some sun on you. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know, I mean, look, Australia's always been, let's face it, Australia is a sporting nation. Yep. It's not It's not high regard on the music scene mm. thing. It doesn't really, it does, compared to the rest, of, in comparison to the rest of the world, it doesn't support the arts industry in general as much as, mm. as say, Europe or would or something like that. I remember touring Europe and being astounded. Uh, in the sense of doing gigs and going wow this the the level of of support and just general appreciation of music full stop yeah just whatever it is there, there's a there's a there's a culture there there's a appreciation for the arts for for music there's an appreciation and i felt it and when i came back here it was it, I realised the divide between, mm. and that's when it was like, fuck, you know what? We are, we're, a sport. we're more a sporting nation than yeah. anything else. Yeah. It's the same with acting. I mean, some of the best actors in the world come from Australia, but, you know, they're, they're all here. in the States. Yeah. <laughs> a, not all, but, you know, I, I mean, I've a, been very general about yeah. it, but generally speaking, that's how it works. You know, people go overseas and to, to, to you know, feed their arts because it's, it's not a great industry here. There's still work i don't mean to sound like sticking the out exactly. but there's just not enough Yep. and that's it and there's and the, the other thing too is i was having a conversation with a very well respected drummer yesterday i won't mention names but um there's the other thing too we we're talking about gigs and you know younger guys are coming through and they need to work and they want to work and and i totally get it i was in that position anyone's in that position and promoters for for tours and stuff are are latching onto that and have been I mean it's been happening for years of course but still happens where the money is just money for tours and stuff on some tours depending on the promoter and stuff is the same money that that was getting paid 15, 20 years ago yep um, if not less yep and there's guys that have been established for a while that just can't work for that kind of money yep uh, not even so much out of principle but you know you have a, a level of self respect of course and younger guys coming through and will say yes because they need the gig they want the gig yep and totally understandable yep. but that the downside to that is that it it does hurt the industry yeah, yeah. generally speaking yep. there's no there's no way to control that yep uh, unfortunately and it's not it's not again it's not against anyone taking a gig for what they do they, you know everyone's got their own things to fulfil yep. need and want and that's totally understandable and, and even expanding a little bit on that you, you talk about
0: they're not going to grab the established guy, they're going to grab the younger guy that wants the gig. But then they even undersell them because there's, a, there's just a lineup of more kids coming Absolutely. up. Absolutely. That'll almost do it for nothing. Absolutely. And, it, you know, there, I know that, you know, when I was playing, I, I used to do some gigs for nothing to kind of establish yourself. Yeah. But big things like that, yeah, yeah you, you, you're doing people out of work. You man. are.
1: But not, and not yeah. only that, but as, as, a, as a musician or just, you know, if you go to see the show, there's the old adage of pay peanuts, get monkeys. Yeah. Without disrespect to those people, it's just the fact is that their ability is not as good as some of the other players. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because the audience don't really care. Yeah. The promoter doesn't care. Yeah. There's bums on seats, that's and that's it. it. That's just the way. That's the way it is. And
0: with sort of modern pop music too, a lot of it is playing to tracks. Yep. And. Um, you know, sampled drums. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you know how to tune your kid or not it doesn't matter because you've got these triggers and you know and uh it's it another I thing kids if if it, you got to learn to tune you <laughs> learn your drums. drums man please yeah yeah please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i was thinking back when you're telling the story about when you're playing in that um italian wedding band yes i when you were telling that story i'm sort of started thinking about what we were just talking about then there's not even there's hardly those opportunities for the younger that's, players now that's correct. a lot of the weddings, It's DJs
1: yeah DJs or it's iPads
0: or, or and iPads. Spotify that's yeah, music that's right that's Apple right.
1: Music it's different too that wedding scene's different too now because there are there are other uh, what do you call them like other organisations like um, like the Baker Boys and White Tree uh, these are all all companies that put together that the the idea of having a having a um what's the word a, a list of musicians yep. on their books right and they go out shopping f- for weddings and say we've got oh, they this. go shopping for the they wedding. go shopping for the wedding like ah. to get to get the gig right. and then they put to from the list of musicians they got they put together a band and they sell it fascinating you know and and um and say so for so, so i've done some work for the white tree which is um one of those, one of those ones, and they're they're pretty good operators. They're good operators, and I know Joel Joel Burton, bass player, who who's one of the guys. That he put was together. The guy from the bass player store. Yeah, that's, a, right. Adele, yeah. that's right. that's mm. right. Um, and and they they might have a weekend where they've got you know five six weddings. I don't know how many, but they've got a multitude of weddings, and they've got they they put the bands in. They put the, they handpick the musos right. for each one. They put them in there and they charge the fee. They pay the muzo and. Which is a great thing, because it, it gives musos work yeah. when they're not working. Um, but that's what the wedding thing is. Right. You know, what it used to be. But mind you, when I was doing it, I was strictly doing the Italian thing. You know okay. I mean? yeah. And there were, the Italian wedding receptions were strictly full-on Italians. you know. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was all that. and You play Italian music as well as English yeah. music. You yeah. do an Italian dance set and an English mm. dance set. It was... Yep. quite cheesy but it was yep. what it was yep. you know it mm. was good good fun mm. and you get paid, ca- you paid cash you got paid cash yeah, yeah. Italians mate cash I paid <laughs> cash play <laughs> faster faster now I pay for you cash <laughs> very good eat uh, you're <laughs> too skinny Mangia pasta <laughs> alright so what's the um, what does the future hold future holds more of the same yep. but better okay, Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm I'm really pushing with the art thing uh, in my own, my own time and my own thing, um, that's something there. The acting, the presenting, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working on something at the moment to up the presenting thing. I love TV presenting. It's I I love it in the sense because I f- just feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's it's a comfortable thing. I love the acting thing too. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the presenting thing that attracts me. Yep. Um, I just feel comfortable in that role. Yep. Um, so I'm I'm working on um, building that. Awesome music will always be there. Yeah. Um I it's just something that I, you know, it's not that I have any plans to record an album or do anything. I just take it as it comes. Uh more practice yep. and and more of that. I mean, the drums is just something that, you know, you mm-hmm. know how it is if yeah. you when you're behind the kit and it feels good, it yep. just nothing beats it. It, it just feels it. great. Yep. So there'll be more of that, but but I'm definitely pushing towards uh the TV presenting thing and my artwork as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 where I'm at. That's where my energy's being pushed at the moment. The artwork is is just again. It's all the artistic feeding, the artistic side. Yeah, yeah. You know, cool. the TV presenting thing. I um, you know I've been toying with the idea of my own show. Yeah. Which I was talking to you about before. Yep. Um, and I know a few people in the industry that can kind of help out, or or, or contribute that kind of thing. Uh, again, that's uh, that's something that I'll focus on. When this podcast gets the hundred thousand followers,
0: yeah, <laughs> I'll promote you, man. I'll promote you. <laughs>
1: Thanks, no, serious. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Even if I get five
0: that. five followers, I'll promote you, man. That's all good. Well, I tell you what, after this podcast,
1: mate, oh you're boom, gonna, you're gonna get at least another two followers. Blow up episode number two. What for that one? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good thing you're doing though I have thank to say you. the thank podcast you. thing it's really cool man. thank you very much the gig life it's great it's great and there's a lot of good stories good music oh yeah me,
0: I mean you just know. you know episode 2 I, I, I've you're you you're the third interview I've recorded yep so your interview will come out
1: soon Yeah. sorry you episode 3 episode oh, 3 I didn't yeah. even know what episode you are yeah episode yeah. 3 wow, <laughs> wow you're down to 3 and you've lost count already <laughs> <laughs> and you're a drummer oh shit yep. Lose count after four if you we have. I can't be a band leader, can I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't be an MD. You've got to be able to count to four, be, man. Come
0: on.
1: Four. Waltz, two, three, yeah. four. No,
0: nah, we'll just track it. We'll just track it. Yeah, that's no, good. But um Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, it's it's exciting, man. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome,
1: really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Fabo Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Stevie, thank you so much for having me, mate. I really appreciate it. I am a subscriber. Oh, I'll fantastic. Be, I'll be listening to... We're on iTunes now. Oh, you're of, on iTunes? As of
0: today. Oh, well, there you go. It's Friday the... The that? 28th of September. Um, you're on iTunes? Yeah, yeah, it had to go through a, like a, um, I, I had to present the show to... Well, not present the show, sorry, but send a link to iTunes and then they had to... Approve it. Approve it. And, and that approved. came through today, so. That's
1: fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. iTunes folks, the yes. gig life. The gig life. That's great, Steve. You look really, really good stuff, mate. Thanks oh, awesome. for having me here. I'm honoured. Thanks for being here.
0: My pleasure. Cheers, Fab. Good on you, buddy. Cheers, bro. Take it All easy. Right,
1: catch him man.